This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today, and I'm really excited that we got to talk to the amazing Octavia Rahim. So I have to tell you a little story, which is that a Flow 365-er came to one of our Monday calls, having just read Octavia's book and then going all in on her social media. And she was just so excited by her work and said, I had to meet this person. And so I kind of made it my mission to get her to say yes to being on the podcast. And we're going to be talking today about rest. That's her lane. She talks about rest. And that's what her book is about and her business is about. And she really walks her talk. So as I started to reach out to her at the beginning of summer, she was coming to the end, as mothers typically do, a full spring and heading into summer season. And she was taking time off and she was going to rest. And it's funny, the first time I got the email from her team saying this was the case and that we could talk in the fall, you know, like, really? And then I like, it was funny, I saved the email, like I didn't delete it, because I needed to go back and keep seeing like, yeah, really, she needs to rest. Like, we all need to rest. Like, why aren't we all saying this to each other? (laughs) You know, I can't do it right now. I need to rest. And just that email was really inspiring. And so I'm so grateful that we get to have her on the show. Now I'm going to read her official bio actually in a second, because I just want you to know all that Octavia is. But I also want to talk a little bit about rest before I do that. So this is something that's been coming up a lot. So I've been bringing in people. We recently had a sleep expert on, Callie. She was part of one of our events a few months ago, but probably a few weeks ago. It was a few months ago. In Flow 365, I... Actually, we have on our team, I pay somebody to come in once a month, Kelly Lubeck. She's amazing. She's a healer, nervous system practitioner, and she comes in and does sessions to calm our nervous system. And really, it is about rest. Like her sessions really are about rest because it's in these restful moments that I think we get ideas, connect with creativity, create a different relationship with what it means to take action. And we're so used to this go, go, go. And so this is something I've been prioritizing for a bit now. Julie, actually, our monthly OM practitioner, Julie Hannon, also brings a lot of this into flow. And that said, it's something I'm really wrestling with right now, personally. So as you all may have gathered from past episodes, if you've been around and if you haven't, welcome. Welcome, welcome, by the way. But I have three kids who 
as this is going live, I still have three teenagers. The oldest one is about to turn 20 next month, which is literally impossible for me to believe. So two of my three kids have gone off. One's in college and the other one is on a grand adventure. She graduated high school in three years and is taking a year to travel the world. And my youngest started high school. And so just last year when she was in eighth grade, I guess my oldest was already at college, but my youngest was in eighth grade and she was at a school that she needed to be driven to. There was a lot of parental involvement in the school. There was a lot of volunteering to be done and just going and checking in and just being around. It was a school that all three of my kids had gone to. So it was the last one. And I was feeling kind of attached. So I was there a lot. And my middle child was still home and she does sports. So we would go watch her in races and all that kind of stuff. And my son who was in college, he as well, you know, I saw him more probably last year, maybe than I've seen him this fall, because I, you know, it was hard to let him go at the beginning. And So last year still felt busy. And what I've noticed this year is like, there's a lot of quiet. There's technically like a literal rest that's happening in our house. And when it first happened, I was like, wow, like if I think about the whole arc of motherhood and how full life has been in the most wonderful of ways for the past however many years, like so full, like I really came to enjoy, you know, the craziness around the six o'clock dinner scramble and trying to figure out how to be in two places at once and driving around a whole car full of kids, you know, like this became just such a centering, joyful piece. And over the years of having kids, I also grew this amazing business and that takes time. And I've gone through different iterations of what it looks like to take care of myself and how we're eating and all those things. And all of a sudden I had all this space and my natural instinct was to work more. And I love my work and like, I love sitting down and writing and dreaming up next things like this all gives me great joy and I don't think any of us should be doing that you know from five to midnight at night and this was my natural instinct was to keep going and it was fascinating and my instinct was to keep going even at like the expense of making myself dinner even though I was sometimes home alone or just like tending to the house or taking a nap or going to yoga, like literally it kept coming up that I was like doing. And so to me, this episode was a really important reminder. I just want to say as somebody who I consider myself a pretty balanced human and I can just see how easy it is to not rest. And once I got this reminder, like once I got, you know, awareness is always the first step. So I got aware pretty quickly, luckily. And I'm still working with it. So I got aware and I'm still like, it's still my tendency and lots of rest has come in, lots of pauses, lots of amazing self-care. And all of it's really important to doing better work and being a better human and a better wife and a better friend and a better mom, even though mothering right now sometimes is FaceTime calls (laughs) far, far away. So I offer this with so much love and compassion and also with a little bit of fierceness and a question of like, how can we all prioritize the concepts you're going to hear us talk about today? How can we really take this on? Because some of the things that Octavia might share, they seem simple. You know, Kelly comes into our Flow 365 group and teaches us how to breathe. And it's like, don't we already know that? But no, because when we get so busy, we forget. 
And so I'm really excited about this episode. Let me tell you a little bit more about Octavia, okay? So Octavia is a wife. She's a mother. She has two best-selling books. One of them is called Pause, Rest, and Be, and Gather. I'm saying that all wrong. So one of her books is called Pause, Rest, Be, and the other one is called Gather. And Pause, Rest, Be is the one that really caught my attention and had her I wanted her to be on the show. She is a restorative coach. She's a yoga and meditation educator. She's a former wellness studio owner. She's the creator of Devoted to Rest, which is a transformational rest-focused experience for visionary women and leaders making impact in their fields. And within her rest and work. She says in her bio, she threads, I love that word, time-tested practices, depth, skill, and knowledge about what supports rest and what doesn't. She puts together wisdom rooted in Black American Southern traditions and intuition. And she threads all of these into a blanket of experience under which individuals can gather and rebuke stress and fatigue and burnout. Her offerings lead driven, inspiring, creative, and purpose-centered individuals and companies to awaken to the fullness of their potential and their power through rest. So can you see why I wanted her on? Do you see like those two things of like rest and power? Yeah, we hold them together, right? So yeah, let's just talk rest today. There's stuff coming up. So stay tuned. Some of our most fun things around here are coming up and I'll tell you all about them on podcasts that are coming up. But for right now, let's all take a deep breath and welcome on the amazing Octavia Rahim. Octavia, welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. I'm so excited to be talking about this topic today. It's so juicy. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's start. Will you just tell everybody a little bit about how you got into this idea of rest? Have you always been somebody who is well rested in your life? Or did you come into this as somebody who needed mm. to find rest? Will you tell us how you landed where you are today? So yes, and Mia, the first increment of rest that we can practice is a pause. And it feels very natural and organic to me to invite you and the listener into a pause. Mm -hmm. And part of that is so we can immediately just move past, I don't know how to do that, to you just did it. So if it's all right with you, before I answer that wonderful question, I want to invite you into a pause and the listener into a pause and The way I like to do that is just to take one breath in and one breath out and do that two more times, one breath in and one breath out. And then a fuller breath in, eyes can be open or closed, right? Depending on where you are and then full breath out. And then to take half a breath to notice how that feels, and then we continue, right? So when I'm teaching and talking about rest, I'm very, very clear that we're at a collective point where it needs to be practiced and it needs to be felt. I'm very honored every time I have the opportunity to speak about rest, but more and more, I recognize that 
we are not at an information deficit. We're at a practiced and embodied deficit. And so to answer your question, have I always been a well-rested person? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) I came to rest kicking and screaming and also had kind of psychosocial, physiological and biological episode that landed me in the hospital. And it is in a hospital bed that I realized that the cadence and the pace that I was keeping in life wasn't sustainable. And that if I didn't find or make a way to incorporate rest and moments of the pause into my life, that all the things I was working so hard to achieve, I wouldn't be able to (laughs) do any of them. And also it was in a hospital bed where I realized that I did not know how to be that I had spent my entire life, like most people, on the hamster wheel of doing, right? And so I invite people in my second book, Pause RSB, I go into much more detail about what actually happened and what were the perfect, perfect storm that created my burnout episode. But the short answer is it was not being on the edge of burnout, but tumbling all the way over that edge, falling and collapsing that made me realize that. And this was in my mid-30s at a point where I was, if you saw me, I was the most physically fit. You know, on this one level, I seemed the most healthiest. The external perception could have been like, you're in great shape, everything's good. But the internal landscape was fatigued, exhausted. I don't know how to stop. And so life stopped me in my tracks. And I was already at that point an asana teacher, yoga teacher, in addition to my full-time day job, which was a public school teacher. And I was starting a side business. And, you know, and I was once on a podcast. And when I said to the person, she's like, what job were you doing that you like got to the edge of burnout like that? Were you like working on Wall Street or something? (laughs) And I said, no, I was a public school teacher. And then she just sat back in her chair and said, what? That's that stressful. And I was like, what? I, mean, <laughs> I, the most... I literally feel like that's the most it, 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 it is. thankless. Like, right? That's part. You also don't get the feedback. Like, I feel like yeah. monetarily or probably from yeah. older parents. And it is some of the most important yeah. work that can be done in our society. And the conditions under which is done is really not well for the leaders, the educators, and ultimately that means it's not well for the children. So anyhow, that's just to answer your question. I was already on a path that seemed to be moving toward more awareness and mindfulness, but the way I was using my physical yoga practice at the time was to be visibly more fit, (laughs) though clearly mentally I wasn't more fit, and to manipulate control and exhaust my body even more, right? But at the end of every yoga class, there's this pose called Shavasana, a corpse pose. It's the resting posture. And I was the person, you know, 20 years ago that would be like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> this There's is always that person who yeah. like rolls up their mat and tries to like sneak out of class. Yeah, yeah this is an aside. So I didn't do that, right? But what I did do is lay there and make a to-do list or it'd be, I would have worked myself so hard that I'd fall asleep. Like sometimes I'd end yeah. up waking up and most of the class would have gone by that point, right? But it was in a hospital bed where I thought, wait, Shavasana is a yoga pose (laughs) and for a reason. And I realized from that point that if all of my 
great visions and hopes and all these things I was working so hard for were going to come to their fullest manifestation and fruition, I was actually going to have to approach my life differently. Yeah. So I shifted over the course. This was not overnight. You know, we don't, (laughs) I had this kind of episode and this big thing happened and I still had to take small incremental steps to shift my practice, shift my life and shift my relationship between rest and work, right? Because we learn a lot how to work. No one teaches us how to rest and it's completely devalued, if not mocked in our culture and society. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I love that you, by the way, I just want to like point this out. And I was listening, everyone who like wants to go get your book should definitely get the audio. I was like listening to it. And I was like, oh my God, she has the most relaxing voice. Like <laughs> I haven't even gotten to the point where you're like, you probably talk through practices and I'm like, oh my God. I so <laughs> need but what's super interesting to me is, so I had a similar thing in my thirties mm-hmm. of like that burnout moment and trying to figure out. And that's actually when I found yoga and that dovetailed with this. So I have three kiddos who are now the youngest is in high school, but at the time they were really young. And so my experience of that burnout dovetailed with having three young kids and the biggest blessing of all. And like a privilege that I do not take lightly is that at the same time I was looking for kindergarten for my oldest, I found this school system that really honors rest and the pause. Like Mm -hmm. literally one of their values is the pause. It's a Waldorf school. And that really helped me settle my system Mm -hmm. with young kids because part of being in that school was like no technology, no after school activities. Like, Mm -hmm. so I couldn't like busy myself in a way Mm -hmm. that I think I might have had I not had that system supporting me. And what's super interesting is just in the past few weeks, you know, and I'm somebody who like honors rest and tries to practice, you know, breaths and, you know, wakes up and I have a morning ritual that I love. Like, so I've really worked on that this over the years and all of a sudden my two oldest have left and I'm noticing how easy it is to fill the space with work. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, I know so much better than this. And here I am like every single night catching myself not right when I go, like not when I have the instinct, but an hour and a half in, I'm like, Mia, what am I doing? Like, why did you just go back to your computer after dinner? You know, just because there aren't kids around. And it's just so interesting how easy it is to not prioritize rest, even as all of us who know so much that this is what we need to prioritize. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a daily practice. It is a and daily I, practice. I do... I really love what you said. You're talking about the Wardoff School, but you said I had a system supporting me. Yeah. And I really do, you know, like there's the individual accountability and the need for the individual to finally wake up and rest and practice. And you sometimes have to be really all the time have to be very subversive and deliberate about that. And there's something to also acknowledge that there aren't a lot of systems that support it. Yeah. And there's such wisdom when you do find a place or an institution that is brave enough to go against the grain and support it in some way. And it doesn't, it's not rest at the expense of achievement. It's like these things can exist. They can coexist. It's not, I don't really subscribe to a lot of this or that thinking. I'm like, I'm into both. And we can teach kids to pause and we can teach kids and ourselves, right? How to also be responsible and engage and be 
you know, productive citizen, but also I'm very much into redefining like, well, what's productivity? You know, for me, I'm like pausing and listening to, you know, someone earnestly. That's a productive moment. Making a real connection versus a superficial one well, is a generative. If yeah. it's generating our creativity, right? Yeah. I mean, like, so there with you. So something you just said about, you know, the pause and the rest, not conflicting with productivity. Can we go there a minute just so that we can... I just feel like I know there's someone listening who's like, yeah, you say that, like you guys are like in this field, blah, 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 blah. But it's like every single time I watch someone take a pause, you can like see the magic on the other side of it. Like it's there. And I feel like that's a really, even if the pause is just the three breaths we took at the beginning, yeah, it feels like such a huge leap of faith to allow yourself. I just think a lot, especially, you know, as women, like, I think it comes very naturally to us, but it's, but I, myself, I'll speak for myself, feel like I had to work on feeling worthy enough to like take the pause because I thought that my worth was around, you know, how much I worked, whether that was at work or as a mother or around the house, like it wasn't always like work, work, but just how much time I was putting into everything, how much doing I was doing instead of the word that you used earlier being. And so what are the first steps in like allowance, I guess, or allowing? So I used to work productivity and a word I have more resonance with, to be honest. I use productivity because I'm like, okay, most people understand that. And I also want to speak to the highest or deepest aspect of yep. whoever's listening, because that's a possibility too. creativity. And generative is really what it is. Because I'm like, we already did productive as a society and look at what it got us, folks, right? So how about what we're also invoking is the spirit of creativity and, you know, what it means to be generative. And also we need like new ways of being and new solution making, not just productivity. And so maybe one day, I'm sure someone has done the research on like the power of the pause and what does happen on the other side of it. And it still remains that each individual has to find their own point of faith and trust in it. And what I notice again and again is that they have to move beyond like, I'm thinking about it. I'm considering it. I'm waiting for you to give me all the data points on it. <laughs> and then I'll actually rest. And it's like, by the time that happens, you might be laid up in a hospital bed how I was. Yeah. And so the way we start is to first acknowledge the tensions that we have between rest and work. Like constantly ignoring it is not, it just, it gets bigger and it bigger and it, and it mounts and it mounts and it mounts. And the thing, even clicking play on a podcast, I don't know what the title of this episode is going to end up being, but clicking play on this podcast is in some way disrupting and interrupting the regularly scheduled program. We're not really facing our relationship between rest and work. So I think first noticing, like, what is my relationship to work? <laughs> what is my relationship to rest? I like to start with inquiry, but also then letting the answer reveal itself over time. And the other thing I want to back up and say is that sometimes people go, I don't need to rest. And then I don't go, great, then I'm not talking to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that sounds meaning like it's like it's not if the cadence and pitch and pace of someone's life genuinely is working for them, it's working for them. 
Now, if someone is like, I am on the edge of burnout, or I don't want to be there, or I am noticing a sharpness in my interactions with people that, you know, like we all know what it feels like when we're tired or also when we're in the loop of like, I'm constantly tired. So it's impacting the way I relate to people. And then you go, I need to do something about this. Like first you have to acknowledge like this is something going on here. So once we acknowledge it versus ignore it, then we can go, well, what feels accessible to be done about it? (laughs) And I think a lot of times people want to go do something really drastic, but you know, kind of the science and research around how we shift a habit. And we all have had this experience, whether we've read any research about it or not, where we try to change 20 things at one time and it lasts for three days and then we're back on the same hamster wheel. But now we feel even worse about ourselves because we couldn't keep this outrageous commitment we made. So that's why I start with the pause because I go, hey, okay, now you've realized that there is a distortion in your relationship to rest and work and it is no longer serving you, even if it served you 10 years ago. It doesn't serve you now, okay? You realize that? Check, right? Then the smallest increment of rest is the pause. We can make it even smaller is a breath. And so you can start with, I teach people this a lot, you know, like balanced breathing, because you can be sitting in your car in traffic. I sometimes do this in carpool, right? Like you can, like, you know, just learning to be with your breath, even when you're still in motion, that's a good place to start. Yes. <laughs> if you have capacity to do that, right? Sometimes kind of in people's bodies, that doesn't feel good. So then that wouldn't be the place to start for them. Yeah. And for me, I'll share personally, like, again, I feel like there's always next layers to yeah. the onion. So When I first like had my moment in my thirties, like I would say that was sort of, you know, really pivotal time. And then there's been other ones along the way. Cause you know, as I realize the power of the pause, I can make it more or the power of rest. I can take myself to the next level, but I will say when I went to my first yoga class, which was my first action, actually, after I realized that I was just Mm -hmm. not something was had to give and I gave myself permission because at the time it was like work or kids like I never had given myself permission to have the mm-hmm. babysitter or the childcare at a time when I was resting or at yoga you know or something that was actually restorative to my being mm-hmm. and that was the first time that I had done that and I don't think I realized till I took that moment of rest what was wrong, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't really realize anything was, like, I kind of knew something was wrong, but I couldn't have, like, said that something was wrong because from the outside, just like how it sounds like you were, I was sort of checking Mm -hmm. off all the boxes, right? It was just something internally was, like, off, and I couldn't have put words to it yet. Like, it took me a few years before I could, like, talk about it or understand what had actually happened. Does that make sense? Yeah, I follow, yeah. A lot of times, you know, I also lead rest retreats. And sometimes people are like, I don't know what really compelled me to sign up for this. And then every, you know, there's always at least one person leaving who's like, I just did not know how much I needed this and how much it was missing in my life until I came here. And that's human, right? That's real. Like you don't know it's missing. And then you know, if your peer group, your community, the world around you, we're all moving at the same clip. So it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess this is it then, right? It's also why I do invite people listening to just, hey, oh, you know what else I say, Mia? I say, start with slowing down, actually, because sometimes depending on the pace you're moving at, 
It could be incredibly startling and jarring to your system to just pause and then be still. So sometimes it just starts with slowing down. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking about the chaos of getting kids. I have one son. I'm thinking about the chaos of getting out the door in the morning sometimes and how it might be really profound just to go, how can I plan and simplify that morning routine to invite in more slowness for myself, for my family, for the whole process. And sometimes it's just doing some, like making something that you're already doing a little bit slower that makes you go, oh, I like that. And it actually makes it better. (laughs) And it sets up the rest of the day in a really different way. And in the process, those who are you know, caretaking or raising kids, you can also teach your kids that nothing falls apart if we change the clip that we're moving at. In fact, things come together. Yeah. Right. Like I think about that a lot because my son is the type of kid that learns from what I do. I can talk all day. It's also, he's helped me a lot be like, you know what? It is the being in practice and modeling how to slow down and how to be with the pause that makes the most difference. Because if I'm telling him like, let's be mindful, but I'm like, hurry up, get into the car. You know, like I'm, he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, right? Oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, he'll just match that energy. He's just going to match that energy. But I'm like, that's how life is though. <laughs> It's super interesting because I like I'm not going to get too scientific right now because I'm totally messed up. But I mean, basically, the human brain is not fully developed until like 25, or (laughs) I think it's even maybe later for boys. And so it's like that matching is true, even when Mm -hmm. you know this isn't about toddlers and only young kids. Like that matching is true for a lot longer. And it's interesting because I've noticed that a lot as a mom and I have one who's not even here at this point. And the world is so unrest centric and Mm. the messages from like schools and colleges is like everything's set up for the opposite. You know, it's like pull all nighters and like do all these things. Like your resume needs to be full in order to get a job. Your high school thing needs, you have Mm. to sign up for everything in order to get into college. It's like, relentless. And so I think that when we Mm -hmm. really lead, if our leadership is in a household with other people, when we're really leading with rest, there's even more that needs to happen on the other side in order to give our kids usually permission to take that on as well. And that is like, to me, that work is so like, I mean, I just think we can change the world if every woman who, you know, affects children in her life, you know, is resting and passing that on and modeling that like that could change the world. Yeah. And if every woman is holding accountable, the partners in her life to be like, you can do some of this too. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You know, because that's the other thing, the imbalance of work in the household and the work of child rearing. Yeah. There's a profound inequity. It is taught, it is deeply ingrained. And part of my rest practices, I have, I'm profoundly disruptive around that. I also married a man who is a womanist, right? He's a feminist, right? And I knew this when I met him. It also could be no other way. And so there's an incredible amount of equity and justice in my household, but there also could be no other way because I'm aware, again, I was like, my son, like any child I'm going to be raising is going to be watching what I model. If I'm going to be talking about 
all these things out there and it's not actually happening in my house or we're not grappling with how it does or doesn't happen in my home, those contradictions are very vast for a child to try to navigate and make sense of. And, you know, and so like a simple practice in my house, very simple, is that I do morning drop off of my son. <laughs> my husband does afternoon drop off. And that is, you know, or he does afternoon pickup and I'm in a partnered relationship and I know that that can, this can change dramatically when there's only one parent or caretaker. Like I'm the daughter of someone who was a care, you know, my single mom and there were two of us, right? And what I see a lot in partnered households is my son asked me one day, he said, because he does chores, he folds his clothes, you know, he does things in the house, right? And he asked me one day, he said, mom, do daddies, do other dads and boys fold clothes? And I was like, yeah, people fold clothes. (laughs) He said, well, the boys at school said that their dad watches TV on the weekend while their mom does something. And a part of me is like, and I bet that mom's really tired. I'm sure that other partner's really tired too. And I'm just like, but part of the rest practice is let's get real about where are there inequities? Where is someone carrying something that they need a space and time to put down? Who else can pick this up up in here, (laughs) right? You know, and so I feel like I would, we would be remiss not to also invite the listener into examining where they're pulling more weight, which is the cultural, societal, institutionalized, oppressive norm. And to also be like, oh, I'm going to gather my courage and disrupt some of that in the name of my well-being and then ultimately the well-being of my family and children. Can we talk about that a little bit? And like, I mean, in some sense, what you and I have done is very purposeful, right? Like, you know, (laughs) we've had a lot of conversations, but there is this aspect that I think I, at this point, will fully admit, take a little bit for granted that there is this disruptive aspect to really being well, you know, and resting and taking care of ourselves, even though like the idea of taking three deep breaths seems so obviously like logical and human and like simple and easy And yet, if you're somebody who's consistently remembering to pause and simplify, and there's almost this quality that you're going against everything of everyone around you, like just in the world that we currently live in. Well, it's against the grain of that, but it's not against the grain of nature. Yeah, Yeah, it's not against humanity. It's against these made up structures that I always go, hey, who benefits from your exhaustion? (laughs) What system, like who benefits from your exhaustion and what does your exhaustion benefit is a question I ask a lot. And so it's like the both end again, right? Like we know we do have access to the pause. And especially once you've listened to this podcast, now you know you can access your pause and your breath any time. But what we also know is that if you do that enough, it is going to change your consciousness. It is going to change the pace at which you move. You will start to move at the speed of humanity, life, and trust versus the speed of consumerism and productivity. I guess guess the reason I asked that is because my experience was that living that sort of started to shift my world around me. And so Mm -hmm. I'm actually not at this point I mean, there's some things obviously that trigger me as a human, but like I've learned to be a lot like the fact that like 
you're supposed to not have any absences at school or whatever. Like I tell my kids to stay home and rest all the time. Like that we prioritize, like, I, so I'm constantly mm-hmm. doing things that are against the grain because I learned how to breathe and I practice and I do yeah. things and I totally 100% am not perfect. But because I have that, the going against the grain part, it doesn't bug me at this point. Like mm-hmm. there was a point early on where like, I just always was like, no little league, no, whatever. Like I just made, for me, it was easier to be like, no, <laughs> than to like mm. try to figure out what a restful life with little bits would look like. <laughs> and so I drew this line, but that was 10 years ago. So now it's mm-hmm. like, it's interesting to me. And I guess I'm hitting it again in like a new phase a little bit, but it's interesting to me that it's like, you have to have, like, we start to have these practices that are very much tapping us into the natural world and the natural rhythms. And then at the same time, there might be other things that have to happen over here to create those boundaries so that we can do that. And I think the boundaries stop us in our tracks sometimes because that part can feel harder and not as natural. It really is. And I have so much compassion. And women's no is constantly overwritten, ignored, silenced, misconstrued, like all these things happen. And it's also why I think is a really powerful mechanism. And so I can't say that I take for granted the boundary that I understand the boundaries that will be required to be made and protected, summoned. That's why I used to wear courage, right? The subtitle of my second book is Stillness Practices for Courage in Times of Change, because you start pausing, resting, and being even if it wasn't, the, I was talking about the collective moment of transition and change yeah. we were going through. But I'm like, even if you, once you get on that kind of path, make up your mind that you're going to create more space to actually live and experience life and be in your life versus just doing your life. It takes courage to do that. And then you're also going to have to summon more courage because you will be entering into a change in your life, small revolutions, right? One breath at a time. Yeah. It's important to have what I'll call beloved community in all of this (laughs) and to seek out and find the people, even if it's, you know, online or digitally that this makes sense to, you know, or you can say, Hey, I want to make these shifts and it does feel yeah. scary to me. And it's not just a feeling, it is scary. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, but I community. I think that's like actually part of nature, especially for women. And that is something that also we lost, I think, a little bit in our culture, <laughs> in our current mm-hmm. culture. But I feel like as natural as like the breath and like tapping into our natural rhythms, mm-hmm. like community is a piece of that. So I love that you say yeah. that. So. All right, Octavia. So how can people find out more? We're going to link definitely to all your books in the show notes, but like, how do we connect with you? How do we get into your world and surround ourselves by people who want to rest? (laughs) Thank you for asking. My website's OctaviaRaheem.com. That is me on Instagram. That is me on LinkedIn. That is me on Facebook. I share rest practices on, in my newsletter, usually weekly. Mm-hmm. And I have on my site a list of complimentary rest resources. Some of those are audios that you can start to listen to, to bring more rest into your life. And I am leading in May 2024, a rest and write retreat. Mm-hmm. And it is for people who are seasoned authors and writers and those who are just like, I feel like there's a story in me somewhere. I love it. And is that in person? It's in person. It's at this beautiful place called Elohi, which is in North Georgia mountains. 
it's amazing you're a beautiful writer so i can imagine that thank brings you. together both your things yes yeah all right well thank you is there anything like is there any nugget that you always share that we've missed or did we hit all the things you know, I want to end with the way we began, which is to invite people to take three breaths. Thank you. So we'll take a full breath in. And an easy breath out. And we let that be for two more cycles of an inhalation and an exhalation. And then we breathe in. And we breathe out. And then we notice and feel. Thank you so much for this oh. opportunity to pause and rest and be with you and your community, Thank your you listeners. So much for taking the time to be here. Thank you. At the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes. You can take what you've heard and put it into action. Change definitely comes from action. And I feel like even in my world, but action can sometimes get a bad rap for those of us who are championing more rest and balance and taking care of yourself, but you can be kind to yourself. You can practice being and doing, and you can take steps to make change in your life. The way we take care of ourselves is by making the steps doable, by focusing on one thing at a time that's really aligned with the season that we're in and taking time to integrate the change and then moving on to the next one. All right. So actually this week, it's really funny. I'm going to tell you a quick story before I dive into the doable changes, but somebody on a flow call was saying that she felt like her list of things each week was getting like it was a little bit too much, like it, there was too many things. And she noticed that some of the things that she was wanting to now do were getting crowded by things that were already habits. So at some point, there becomes this point where we can just be with the change that we've created. And yes, we have to hold space for it in a day, but we don't necessarily have to think about it or put it on a list. It's something that just happens and it's integrated into our lives, which is so fun. Okay. So here are three doable changes from my amazing conversation with Octavia. I hope you loved this chat. So here's number one, pause with breath. The first increment of rest is a pause and you can use your breath to pause. So take a breath in and then take a breath out and then another then a third, slowing and deepening the breath and notice how it feels. You can do this anywhere, at your desk, waiting to pick up the kids, waiting in line at the grocery store. Try doing it once or several times a day. You could set a really nice tone on your phone that literally is called rest and it goes a uh, rest. Yeah, it could be called rest. It could be called breathe that goes off and reminds you to breathe. Or you could use one of those things like you're in carpool line or you stop at a red light to remember to do this thing. All right. So good. I love that one. All right. Simplify your morning routine. We often talk about a morning routine as things that we do for ourselves to start the day, right? So for this practice, think about all the things that have to happen for you to get out the door to start your day. 
And how can you streamline that? Think about what could happen at another time or not at all. Think about ways to bring more ease to breakfast or to lunch making or to helping kids get bags packed, getting your own bags packed, whatever it is, walking the dog. Try the simplified routine and see if it helps you slow down, right? So often when we talk about morning routines, it's about adding in those self-care things. And then again, it's like this congestion thing. (laughs) There's a lot of metaphors today around this congestion thing. So see what can happen if you write it all down and try to simplify it. Okay, doable change number three from this episode. Pull less weight. Start by recognizing all that you do. Is there an imbalance of work that goes unnoticed in your house? Pick one thing to give up and one thing to delegate. Work with this for a while and then pick a new set of things. I love the invitation from Octavia to not like fix everything at once, to pause, to go slow. So we can do that with any change, including pulling less weight in our households. All right, y'all. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five-minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart, and have a great day.